Fantastic. Okay, let's go ahead and let's turn and let's look at our scripture that can be found um, up on the screen. This is John 6, 35 through 51. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does Jesus now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The word of the Lord. Well, I was extremely hungry before I uh, came here on Sunday morning, uh, so I stopped off at my local Panera. And I did something that I don't often do. You know, you walk into Panera and they have this rack of bread on the wall, right? And they have all these very interesting names, you know? So I got myself a, a, a brioche. I don't know why they don't just call it soft ball of dough. Instead, they call it brioche. They have all these neat names like Miche and so forth. But I was still more hungry, so I got myself the ubiquitous bread bowl. Can't wait to tear into this after, uh, after the service. But I was even more hungry than that, and so I got the lovely sourdough loaf. This also, it has some heft to it, so I'm kind of excited. If I feel that someone's not listening to the sermon, I can wing this at you with, with excellent accuracy. And, and getting clocked in the head by a sourdough loaf, that would be the height of, uh, of uh, humiliation. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, mm, they smell so good, and perhaps you didn't get a chance to eat food uh, before you came to the service and your mouth is salivating right now. You know, the thing about Panera on the rack is there are all sorts of different sizes and types of bread to uh, quell your hunger. But we see here in this passage that Jesus is speaking of only one type of bread, a spiritual bread that satisfies the human heart. There is no rack of different options, though the world would love to tell you there is, that can satisfy the deepest longings of the human heart, of the human soul. 
But Jesus says these astounding words that I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. What Jesus is saying is that God has given him, that Jesus is the only one given who can satisfy the hunger of the human heart. No matter where you go, no matter what you look for, no matter what you gnaw on, it still doesn't matter because in the end there's only one who can satisfy the hunger of the human heart. So have you found him? Have you found true satisfaction? Because that is what Jesus came to provide, true satisfaction to the soul. So we're going to unpack this powerful statement of Jesus that he is the only one that can satisfy the hunger of the human heart. We're going to look at three different points. Number one, we're going to look at the point that Jesus is the bread that truly satisfies. Jesus is the bread that satisfies. But we're also going to look at point number two, that God has the plan that succeeds. If Jesus is the bread that satisfies, God has a plan that succeeds. And finally, we're going to look at point number three, that Jesus is the life that gives. So let's look at these points. Number one, Jesus is the bread that satisfies. We're in John 6, and if you'll recall at the beginning of John, uh, Jesus has fed the 5,000. In fact, it says 5,000 men, not including women and children. So commentaries say somewhere between 10 and 20,000 people have been fed by Jesus from five loaves and two fish. Jesus has gotten in a boat. He's, he's gone over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and the people have come looking for Jesus, who performed this a miraculous uh, this miracle. And when they find him, they say to him, Jesus, when did you get here? And Jesus responds to them, Truly I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. In other words, you, you want another meal. That's why you've come to find me, another physical meal of bread and fish. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Jesus speaks to their motives. He says, you're looking for a physical lunch, but I came down from heaven to bring you far greater than simply bread and fish. I've come down to bring you true spiritual bread that satisfies your soul. See, the bread that I gave you before, he's saying to them, it doesn't last. You have to have it again. But Jesus is saying that I am the eternal bread, that when you feed on me, you will have an inexhaustible supply of spiritual bread forever. And this bread comes from me. Notice he says, which the Son will give you. On him, the Father has set his seal. He goes on in verse 33, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus isn't speaking to them about physical bread, though that is what they're interested in. He's speaking to them about spiritual bread. Notice he says, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven. He doesn't say the spiritual bread isn't it, but rather it's a he. And this spiritual bread, excuse me, this spiritual bread doesn't sustain life, it actually gives life. Where there was death, it brings to life and it gives life. 
The people are intrigued. They say to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This verse teaches us uh, four or five key spiritual realities of life that apply to each one of us. Number one, we have a hunger. We have a physical hunger. We all get that. After the service, we're going to start getting physically hungry. We're going to have to eat lunch. But like a physical hunger, we also have a spiritual hunger. It gnaws at us in the same way like physical hunger does. It's a hunger of the soul. And it must be fed just like we physically must be fed. The secularists of our day simply say that we are, we are flesh and bone, that there is no need for the soul. It's simply a need of the body. But Jesus says different, and we also know that it's different. Because you can have all of the physical food that you need and still be empty inside. This hunger that we have in our hearts that's spoken of by the poets and the, uh, and the singers of our time is a hunger to know God. The spiritual hunger that we have is a hunger to know God. You see, you see each one of us were made in the image of God. And because we were made in God's image, we were made to be in communion with Him. We were made to belong to Him. And as such, our hearts are always trying to find their way back to Him. We can seek to fill this spiritual hunger with a variety of things. But Jesus is telling us that He is the one who we hunger for. That's the second spiritual reality, that Jesus is the one who we hunger for. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Not a bread of life, not one of the choices, but rather the bread of life. There's only one food out there that can satisfy your spiritual hunger, and it's Jesus Christ. All the pleasures in life, all the power, all the possessions that you can have are simply not enough to feed your spiritual heart. If I go to Panera and I look up at the wall, there's this menu and there's all of these different choices. But in the spiritual menu, there's only one thing on the menu, and that's Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the only one that satisfies. Notice what he says, Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He is the only one that can satisfy, but that's the very thing that he came to do, to satisfy the longing of our human hearts. And notice that he is an endless supply of satisfaction. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now that does not mean that hunger and thirst in our souls does not rise up every day. It means that now we know what it's for. Now we know where to turn. Now we know where, what to drink and what to eat. In other words, we've found the bakery, the spiritual bakery of life, and his name is Jesus Christ. 
and saving faith. Faith is choosing to feast on Christ alone as the bread of life. Notice what Jesus says. Whoever comes to me, in other words, if I was to come to you, I was somewhere else, and now I'm coming to be in your presence. Jesus is saying whoever comes to me or comes from looking to the things of this world, to sex and power and pleasure, but instead comes to me looking for heart satisfaction, will never hunger. And whoever believes in me, in other words, who's ever come to me and stays in me, continuing on believing in me, believing is a verb, will never thirst. See, what really is faith? What is saving faith in Jesus Christ? It's more than simply acknowledging that Jesus is Lord. Even the demons acknowledge Jesus as Lord. It's more than choosing to follow Jesus Christ. Do you know that you can choose to follow Christ and not be a Christian? How's that possible? Well, the question is, why are you choosing to follow Christ? Well, I'm choosing to follow Christ because he gives me a better marriage. I'm choosing to follow Christ because he'll give me success in my business. No, we're getting to the core motivations of why we follow Jesus Christ. And the reason why we follow Jesus Christ is to be satisfied in him. Saving faith is coming to him as the one whom you expect to fill and satisfy your soul with himself. It's continuing on in life, looking to Christ to satisfy your soul. That's what saving faith is all about. You see, fundamentally, our Lord's message was himself. He did not come merely to preach a gospel. He himself is the gospel. He did not come merely to give you bread. He said, I am the bread. He did not come merely to shed light. He said, I am the light. He did not come merely to show the door. He said, I am the door. He did not come merely to name a shepherd. He said, I am the shepherd. And he did not come merely to point the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I don't know if you remember an interview on 60 Minutes. It was a while ago. It was uh, with uh, Steve Croft with Tom Brady. And this was earlier in his career. Tom had only won three Super Bowls. I think he's won 12 or 13 now. Uh, but he was at the height of his career. He had won three Super Bowl titles. He had won two MVPs. He had a supermodel for a wife. He was a multimillionaire. So his story is basically rich, beautiful people winning Super Bowls. And as some of you have seen this interview, he sits down with the journalist and he says, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I think it's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't it. This can't be what it's all cracked up to be. And the journalist asks the question, what's the answer? 
And Tom Brady responds, I wish I knew. And that's the story we've heard from many people at the top, isn't it? I wish I knew. Because the bread of the world cannot satisfy the longing of the human soul. So what's your answer? See, we do know the bread that can truly satisfy the hunger of the human soul. Jesus is the bread that satisfies. So where are you going to find the satisfaction that only Christ can give? Is it your job? Is it the bottle? Is it a computer screen? It's a lie. It's a mirage. None of those things can satisfy the desire of the human heart. It's only Jesus Christ. So stop going to those things and instead come to Jesus. Because we know where the bakery is. When your heart is wounded and weak, when it's sick and sore, when you're not at rest and broken and grieved and fearful, run to Jesus. You will be spiritually hungry today. And somehow, some way, you will try to feed that hunger. Let it be on Christ, because Jesus is the only one who can satisfy the desire of the human heart. Well, this brings me to my second point, that God has the plan that succeeds. Look in verse 36. Jesus utters these words, these powerful words, that I am the bread of life. But then he says, but I have said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. These people do not believe this truth. And we have to ask the question, if Christ came to save people, has God's saving purpose failed? And the answer is no, because verse 37 through 40 explains that God is sovereign over the work of a person's salvation, and he will not let his ultimate purposes for anyone fail. He will bring his children, those who are his, to himself. This means that your life and your hope and security are bound up in his purposes and his plan, not your own. Here are five truths to show for the Christian that God is the one who is the architect behind your salvation. Number one, God gives his chosen ones to Jesus. Look at verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And verse 39, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me. If you are a Christian, you have been given to Jesus Christ. You are Jesus' inheritance. It's not just that we want Jesus, but that Jesus wants us, that we are precious to him. What these passages are saying is that Jesus is saving you as much for himself as for you. It's bigger than I just stumbled across the message of the gospel and I heard Jesus Christ and I believed. Rather, you have been given to, the given to Jesus 
from the Father as Jesus' possession because God gives his chosen ones to Jesus. Point number two, because God gives them to Jesus, they come to Jesus. Verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. Notice that it's not the other way around, is it? It's not those that come to me, the Father will give to me. It's all that the Father gives me will come to me. You see, it's God who secures their coming. It's God who works our coming. It's God who guarantees our coming. When you came to Christ, if you have come to Christ, it's God who brought you. And when you believe, it's because God opened your eyes and made himself beautiful to you. But it gets even better. That those have been given to Jesus are kept by Jesus. Verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Never. We're in the grasp of Jesus Christ, and he'll never, ever let go of us. And verse 39, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Jesus will not lose one of those that the Father has given him. Now this is great news. You see, the giving and the coming are the Father's sovereign work. It's the Father that gives us and draws us to Jesus. But it's Jesus that holds on to us. It's Jesus that keeps us. It's the Son's sovereign work. This life that we have in the Son, Jesus Christ, as verse 40 says, is eternal life. It's not a temporary life. It's not one that can be lost. So we can rest confident, Christian, that our faith may waver, but will never fail. Because Jesus will raise us from the dead on the last day. Verse 39, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Verse 40, he says it again, I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 44, and I will raise him up on the last day. Notice that word, I will raise him on the last day. We have a date with destiny, brothers and sisters who are believers in Christ. That the end of our days is not the grave. That we are not destined for death. But we will be raised by God through Jesus Christ on the last day. So what does all of that mean? It means that your salvation, if you are a Christian, is grounded in the will of God. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. It's God's will that you would come to him, that you would find him. So we can conclude that if you are a Christian, your salvation is God's plan, and God's plans never fail. When I was about 22 years old, I, I wrote a, a manifesto. It was a document, much in the vein of Karl Marx. Uh, the Carlos Manifesto. 
where I wrote down 170 things that I wanted to be, that I wanted to do, and that I wanted to have. It was my roadmap, it was my template for life, what I was going to do and accomplish. And I promptly put it in a drawer. Well, 30 years have passed. I recently pulled it out and took a look at it. Some things I had accomplished. Some characteristics and qualities I did have in my life. But there was an astonishing number of things that I had not done. There was a large number of things that I did not have. And there were qualities and characteristics that I was not. It brought home the fact that I am fallible. I'm just a human. I have goals, I have dreams, but I make mistakes. And I don't have always have the ability to carry through what I desire. But that's not God. Numbers 23, 19 puts it this way. For God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? You see, if you are a Christian, your salvation is bound up in the will of God himself. Do you fear that I will fall away? That I won't have the strength to make it to the end of my journey? That God will forget about me? That his blessings and his promises of eternal life are for other people but not for me? Take peace that it's not ultimately my choice for my free will that gets me to heaven. It's God's. He gives us a God-centered reality. And the bigger God is in your life, the smaller everything else will be, including your problems, your trials, and your frustrations. The bigger and more full of God we are, the more beautiful the gospel becomes, and the smaller everything else is. When you have failed to be obedient, when you're discouraged in your faith, when you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders, take heart. God has a plan that will succeed. And that plan is bringing you to the bread of life that satisfies. This brings me to my final point, that Jesus is the life that gives. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Our salvation is not simply found in what God wills, but it's found in what Jesus does. Jesus bought you, Christian, and the cost was his body and his blood. The ransom price on each one of our heads was our life. For the scriptures say that the one who sins is the one who will die. Jesus went to the cross to pay a price that you and I should have paid. In exchange, in exchange gave us his righteousness which we could never earn. Our salvation is grounded in history. 
And so Jesus was the bread that was blessed, that was broken, and that was given. How can we trust that Jesus is the bread that truly satisfies? Because he demonstrated to us on the cross that he is worthy and that he is the one that is given for you and me. So look to the cross. Look to the cross. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Come to him. You are going to be hungry, spiritually hungry today. And you can choose a variety of different places to go. And each one of them will leave you empty. But Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. And whoever believes in me will never thirst. Jesus is the only one given who can satisfy the hunger of the human heart. So let us look to him and him alone for spiritual satisfaction. Because we know where the bakery is. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, we thank you that you are the bread of life. You are the only one that can satisfy the deepest longings of our soul. And so let us come to you, bringing all of that hunger in our hearts to you, that you would satisfy us with the sweetness of yourself, and that we would be content and sing for joy all of our days that we have you. And because we have you, we have all that we need. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.